welcome to the Bet on Me podcast, the ultimate resource for softball players looking to take control of their training and reach their full potential. I'm your host, Krista Stoker, and on this show, we'll be discussing everything from taking a holistic approach to your training to data-driven strategies for maximizing and growing yourself, not only on the field, but off. At S2 Breakthrough, we believe that athletes should lead their own journey and push past any perceived ceilings on their talent. So join us as we explore the world of softball player development and help you bet on yourself. Because when you bet on yourself, you can't lose. All right, we're back with episode two of Bet On Me. So last episode, um, go back and listen if you haven't, but we chatted a little bit about what we call sort of chapter one or part one of S2 Breakthrough, which is really starting from when we opened uh, or when we started the business. So we didn't open our physical location for a couple of years, but up until around the the like 2018 mark. So at that point, we had had a business for about six years. We had had our physical location for about four Um And, you know, as we mentioned in the first episode, we had really reached this point of searching for a path to give our athletes a better experience, to make more of an impact. I think at that point, we started talking about like chasing 80 as the underhand throwing, like how, how hard can people throw or how hard can they hit? Or, you know, there were just like a lot of things we were talking about, but the concept was, can we break some, some thoughts on what is possible to change about an athlete? Um, and so it really started first in just following some baseball stuff and hitting, um, at the start of that year, we bought some technology to track ball flight data. Um, we just started throwing it down. I don't think we, we definitely didn't know what we were looking for or what we were expecting to see on there. Um, you know, we had some instances where we were able to like bring in some college pitchers or some professional pitchers to just put them on it. So there were some things that we were just trying to really gather information Um, And so I think at the sort of end of that year of 2018, um, you had just had your second uh, child and we're out and I, the NFCA convention was here um, and there was sort of a side event held where they talked about some hitting concepts and it was really a baseball person leading that and lots of coaches went. So it was pretty exciting to me that that many softball coaches were interested in some concepts like that. And then because I knew some of the people that were there, they let me know that Monica Abbott was coming afterwards and they were going to put her on the same technology and have her pitch. Um, And so I messaged you. I was like, I'm staying. I'm going to watch this, like, to see what they do. So they had her on K-Vest, K-Motion Vest. She was on force plates, which was a hard setup, uh, just given the Mm -hmm. pitching motion. Uh, But they tried to get her on force plates and really collect all this information. Um, and so I think I called, like, I went out to dinner with some of those people. We were chatting about pitching really, uh, even though I wasn't the person and I, I'm sure I called you afterwards on the drive home. Um, but really the concept was, yes, that was great that they did that, but like, there's no one to take this information and do it with anyone. Like it has to be us. If pitching is going to change, like we're the only people that, you know, there were college coaches that were interested, but their job is also to win games and scout and do a lot of things. And so, you know, it, it really felt like that was sort of from in my mind, and I, I think I probably dragged you along, whether you uh, were three weeks uh, postpartum or not, that it, like it, this was our opportunity to like we we had to do some research in this. So maybe talk through that sort of phase from your experience as someone who was probably like, oh, boy, I'm 
literally at home with a newborn, uh, but mm-hmm. uh, of sort of like seeing that all unfold and then that journey for us from there. Yeah, we were sort of already like a foot in that world. That wasn't like the initial, initial yeah. start. We were in this like, you know, there were things like on base you coming out, things that were basically like you had to pay attention to how your right. athletes move. And then in order for them to do the skill, we're like, oh, that makes sense. So I think right. there was, a, you know, in hindsight, I think there was a time period where our approach was like, we're going to test how our athletes move. They're not going to move well because we're not training them well. But like, we didn't say that. We were just like, they're not going to move well. <laughs> they're not moving well. And, um, so, so like they, it's not pitching. They have to learn to move better first. So like strength and conditioning has got to do its own thing. And I'm just going to sit around and wait until they're better movers. And then I, you know, they'll get better at pitching. So like, what a cop out, you know, in hindsight, like, right. come on, you know, like, come on. So, uh, but I, we were in this time period of like movement based. And so what we were doing a lot of was like, having them do movements like, like strength and conditioning type movements, like med ball type of throws and dissociation work and like on the right track, like mindset wise on the right track. And then like pitch, you know, things like that. Right. Um, and then like do a drill. Like basically I would get a pitching drill that matched the non pitching drill and do them back to back, you know, think that we were, we were like in that space already. Then, yeah. then like, then comes like the data world. We're talking about like ball flight data, biomechanics data, then comes that world with like information. And that is like a whole nother chapter. So we were already on this journey of figuring out how, like, you know, to see the skill through human movement eyes. And then in comes all this data and tech. And I it, honestly, you know, to be fully, to be fully like transparent, that time period, you know, I probably was not in my most stable mental state, you know, like, as you said, I was, <laughs> you know, I had a baby two weeks ago or whatever, but I, um, it felt like a race or something. Like, I'm like, yeah, I really felt like we could do this. Like, like no one loves pitching more than me. And no one, no one like loves this game more than us. Probably not true, but that's how it feels, you know? And so I'm like, you know, we, we have such passion for this. Like, I'm like, I know we're like, we're smart. I'm a science and math person. Like we can do this. And so it felt like a race um, to like get there. And I think you saw when you called me, uh, from that, like that experience or that, you know, post-conference setting, you were like excited about all these people who are interested. I was probably in an anxious state in my life because of just having a baby, but I, I felt, I felt a little anxious about it. Like I felt like I have to hurry, you know? So honestly, the reason why I think that that's important to bring up is because I think that led me down, you know, now knowing what I know about myself as I'm, you know, you know what, five years older now, I, I, I don't work very well chasing the outside, you know, when I'm very connected to what's happening around me. And I felt like there was a very, a very specific time period at S2 where I was so connected on following what everyone else was doing in order to like stay in the race, if you will, a race that maybe arguably didn't even exist, but stay in the race that like lessons were like a circus at that time. It was like, we're doing this today. Remember how I said this? That's wrong. We're doing this. Like, like yeah. that must have been a terrible time to be a pitcher at S2 Breakthrough because I felt like I was changing things so rapidly. I was so, I don't know how to explain it, but not centered. And I think there is a difference between trying new things, being willing to be wrong. Like all of those things are positive, but it has to stem off of 
a like a grounded centered piece inside of you of like, this is the concept I believe we should be working on. And then these are the things we're going to try. And we might switch up what we're trying, but the concept is centered and we did not have that. And so there was a, yeah. a big chunk of time where I felt like we were just trying things and throwing darts at a dartboard. And it, it felt, it didn't, we were trying to like find the answer. Process. Yeah. And we were trying to find the answer. I think it felt like a race to like, we're going to nail the set of drills. That's going to tap. Now all yes. of our pitchers are going to throw 70 and all of our hitters are going to do this. And I think that that was just a very early misunderstanding of what player development is. And this idea that like, you know, we, we want to post the, the drill set or the coolest drill that taps into anything so we can get the the most uh, impact on social media or, or whatever the approach was. It was the idea that like we were in, like going towards a finish line. And I think even as you watch real player development unfold uh, and, and what we had to learn during that process is that it's always cha- like you don't ever end. You know, one of the things I've learned in watching some of our athletes who have trained with us for years is that we don't know what we can tap into and we don't always know exactly what we're going to need to tap into. So for hitters, for instance, you know, I reference this a lot, but at a, um, a couple of college coaches will reference it in order to get uh, recruited. Like if they use data and they understand sort of the numbers they're looking at 70 is kind of the exit below that they're looking for. And I made a comment that at S2, anyone who trains regularly with us hits 70, anyone at any level, as long as they're, you know, high school age and above typically. And so I think that there's this, what, what I feel about that is not to say all of those kids can play at that level, but there is an idea that we are missing about player development, that it, as we continue to unlock things for athletes, it's going to keep going up. And so in the same sense, if I have my best hitter, she hits in the eighties, she's pretty adjustable. She can do all these things. You're standing right next to, to me in the cage, realizing that there's, different pitches that we could actually be throwing because we're tracking ball flight data. And now all of a sudden we have pitchers throwing weird, slow rise ball changeups that are really hard to hit. And that has a different ball flight path. And so then now I have to adapt as a hitting coach of, okay, well now my hitters have to be able to hit that pitch. So what does that look like and how do we adjust to that? And so really what player development is in the, in the best version of it is just continuous growth. And there is no end. (laughs) There's no end to it. And so I think that that at that point, that's what the race felt like, which is like, we're going to get to the finish line and we're going to have solved pitching. And like, that's just such a bad mindset. Uh, I think it's a a pretty, it's just really the flip side of the mindset we were coming out of, you know, which is like, we're going to have the solution for the athletes. And then like, that's, that's just the, the same kind of idea. I would say like, we didn't even realize like, like, at least I didn't, I did not realize what we were stepping into was player development. Right. So it felt yeah. like what we're stepping into is, is like, what the hell is pitching? I mean, like that is like, mm-hmm. just like, there was sort of an answer. We we were so in the dark. We were realizing like, oh my gosh, we don't know anything. And I think pitching coaches all over the country are feeling this way. of just like, there's so much we don't know. Like what is pitching? Um, yeah. I felt that was a very noisy time. And again, arguably, yeah. you know, a lot of external factors going on in my personal life and such, but like just with, you know, the, the complexities of having a new baby and such, but like, I think that it just felt very noisy. Uh, and I think that was a very important time for me personally, because mm-hmm. at some point 
you know, I believe that like I could do good work in this space and not on the track that I'm on where I'm racing around. I'm trying to find some solution, some answer as like you're saying, like it didn't even exist. I didn't even know enough to know that's, that's not even what I should have been chasing, but it felt like this, like it felt very noisy time. Um, like keeping up with whatever and feeling like this person figured this out. And like, you know, in hindsight, like that was just a waste of capacity. And so honestly, I felt like what came next for me personally was to like go quiet and go quiet in a way that was like, take in the information, just take it in. Don't feel like you have to do something with it right away. Like just take in the information, let it unfold, watch what's happening, give something a try and be willing to give it time. Like something, I don't know if it was this clear to me at the time, but something clicked and like to get it right, whatever that meant at the time, I'm doing air quotes, whoever's (laughs) listening here, but to get it right (laughs) means there's this like, there's this long game element. So like, you got to get out of this race. Uh, And so I think it was sort of like being patient with the process, being patient with collecting the information watching athlete response on the floor, listening to my insides. I mean, like I literally like something would tell me like I gave her this plyo at this weight and it had the opposite effect. Why? Like My intentions were to get her motion to do this and it did the opposite. Like, why would that happen? Like just case by case at that time, I felt like you know, we, I may have been really diving into only like five to 10 athletes, you know, cause like the athletes where I was really like, and, and I felt like every one of them was this complex case study that like I was thinking about all night. And, you know, you know, now we say things like I'm the queen's gambit where I look at the ceiling when I'm going to bed and like <laughs> see the chest pitching motion. Yeah. yeah but like the that's 4D really sensor that, graphs. Yeah. That time frame was that's like, that's what it became about for me. I, I, I like, I felt like I just started really coming on the inside and then Little by little, I started to feel like this deeper understanding of just two pieces of like the connection between movement and the motion. Basically, when someone does this, they only get the options to do this, this, or this. I'm starting to see, oh, I get why. Okay. And then when that happens, now let's look at what's happening. That allows the ball to only do this. Like this puzzle started to come together for me. And then in understanding the puzzle, then, and obviously understanding it, like having a better understanding of it, it's ever evolving, which is amazing. Mm -hmm. But this understanding that it's this like complex puzzle, it's not this like linear path. You do this, you do this, you do this. Then that really started, I guess, to spark this, this sort of chapter for S2, where it was really about like, like player development where it's understanding Mm -hmm. an individual athlete's puzzle or what we now say like their story and that it keeps evolving and changing that each variable influences movement, influences mechanics, influences, you know, slot influences ball flight. Like that is really where this like modern day concept has come for us with training. Um, But it all really started of understanding, like it's not a drill. It's a puzzle. Like it's this is big, it's much larger. And I think like that time period of being crazy in this race, focusing on what externally everyone else was like figuring out and then realizing like, let's just sit and look what the information is telling us. And what the information was screaming at us, as far as I'm concerned, is like, you got it wrong. It's not a drill. It's not this. It is a much more complicated, ever evolving puzzle piece, which honestly is what I fell in love with. I mean, that idea of everyone having a puzzle that is unique to them, that keeps changing, 
it's really like what the foundation of the, the physical piece of S2 Breakthrough. Obviously, S2 Breakthrough embodies a much, you know, something much larger than just that. But it's a piece I really fell in love with because I was like, no one knows this about themselves. Like, what an empowering right. concept. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and I think, you know, our ability to bring those thoughts to reality was, uh, you know, took a huge step forward as we built our team out. So I think as we were trying to figure out some of these, um, you know, we got connected through some mutual friends of mine to Laura. Um, and, uh, at the time she was in academia, sort of leading a department and we had some mutual friends and my husband mentioned we were getting into some like data pitching, trying to explore some things. Um, and they thought that we should meet Laura because she had written her dissertation on pitching. She had a biomechanics PhD there was a lot of overlap with sort of our interest. And so um, we met with Laura and not surprisingly as a, a woman run business, I was home with, I can't think my kids at that time had like hand, foot and mouth or something <laughs> disgusting. Uh, I had to uh, just call for the first initial meeting with Laura, but we didn't have any intention at that point of like, we weren't interviewing Laura for a job. We were just like, let's connect. Let's do some research together. Let's do some things. And we started doing some reads, like doing some testing on our, our athletes, or we brought some people in to do some things. Um, and we just got to talking and I think realized there could be something here. Like maybe it makes sense to, to bring Laura on staff. And so, um, through some conversations, we ultimately were lucky enough to be able to do that. Um, and at the same time kicked off uh, pitch stock, which was a pitching convention. Um, and we had the opportunity to speak at it. We had college coaches there. We had a couple uh, who are now dear friends, but like a, a big name college coaches that attended. And we were sort of surprised because we just really threw out some information and we realized there was this community of people really seeking information. And so uh, Laura allowed us to take all of these thoughts one step further, which was to sit down and like, tell us about anatomy. Tell us about, okay, here's the pitching motion. Here's the hitting motion. Like, let's talk to every step. How are things connected? you know, what are the things that we should be looking at? And and we spent a lot of time doing that. Um, and then that, you know, at the end of that summer, we then brought on Carly um, and really she was able to bring sort of an anatomy based mind into strength and conditioning and then help us fill out that piece. So now we had sort of different areas of expertise. I don't know if you would call it expertise, but interest, motivation. Uh, we had some more expertise than others maybe at that point. Um, sitting in a room together and trying to solve that puzzle of like, I saw this, like Carly, tell me how that relates to what you're seeing on the strength floor or Laura. Like it's, this is confusing me. Like this doesn't make sense to me. Tell me from the science-based side, why we might see that, or how can I test these things? And we just, we had those conversations constantly. And so I think when people think like, you know, it felt like things were changing or we felt a little unsettled. I think at that point we were more grounded when you talk about like grounded versus like searching. I think we were more grounded, but we were still in the process of like, we just have to keep talking all of this through because we were so far off. It felt like we were so far off with how we were teaching at the beginning with just like standing across from someone and telling them what to do. And sometimes the drills were telling them to do things that we found out aren't even true that don't even happen. So that's like the worst example. And sometimes it was just like, this doesn't happen like this or athletes can't learn like this, or this athlete can't do this based on what we know. And so we just, we spent a lot of time just sitting, 
you know, in our office and having really heated sometimes conversations around why isn't this outfit getting better? Or, you know, we said this was going to work and it's not and never settling for that. And so, you know, I think really from the summer of 2019 through at the end of 2020, at least like that was what it looked like to be in our space. And honestly, um, quarantine helped push that more because we were shut out of seeing our athletes. And so it was like, what are we going to fill this time with? And we filled it with starting to write like the outline of a book on pitching and having some conversations around like building all of this out in preparation for that. And so I think that that time was really that. And we came sort of going into 2021 for the first time, I think with a very clear foundation of what it looks like to, to be at S2, meaning like everything is not changing all of the time. There are some really steady tried and true. We've done a ton of research on like the types of things that are at the base of what training looks like at S2. And, but then understanding that like our role is to help the athletes be their own coach to do that. They need to know their story, which has made us like very, you know, take our assessment process very seriously. It makes us sit down and have a conversation with them is this is like, who are you as a pitcher or hitter? And how do we go from there? And, and how does everything relate and really making sure they know that because at the end of the day, if they don't know that, then they're just, they're never going to be able to lead their journey, which is really important for us. And then feeling like our role is to be in the trenches with that. So now I, I know your story and let's keep measuring how it's changing. And if the data doesn't show change, it's not, well, she's just not doing what we're doing in our sessions. That's, we can't go to that anymore. And it's more of really sort of exploring what is the environment, what could be influencing that. Is it the training program? Is it outside environments? And like having conversations like that, which to me is what player development is. And it, it just took us a bit to get there. So um, I don't know if you feel different about that sort of journey of where we went, but that's sort of like the evolution I felt during that time frame, and sort of uh, where we feel a little more like settled in it now and, and my personal journey with that. Yeah, I think like, you know, this this sort of like leading up to whatever 2018, 2019, as we talked about, that was like you and I, we got ourselves signed up for the race essentially. But but like mm-hmm. Laura and Carly, did they, you know, they're the ones that really pushed us past the start point. You know, I mean, like they are really critical. And I think I just want to really emphasize how critical they have been in the, in this sort of like, I would almost call it like phase three of S2 breakthrough. It's not even like part one, yeah. part two. It's like, it's like part three, which is really mimicking the foundation of who we are now. Um, I, I just want to backtrack a little bit, but you know, like the reason why Laura's knowledge was just like so critical is for a variety of reasons. She really had these three amazing skill sets and these three areas of, of expertise, essentially. One was that she could take data and numbers and turn it into something that made sense to coaches. So she could create visuals for us to be able to look at data and actually get information like on the back end, which was so right. critical. Like if we were just looking at Rapsodo on the spot, we were just looking at data on the spot and like trying to make decisions from there. You cannot do that. Like you have to right. have the back end information to see the story first. So one, she was able to provide that. Two, as you said, with her biomechanics background, uh, you know, as we were saying, like, why would the body do this? Like, don't even talk to you about skill. 
why would the body access a pattern like this and start like this? And she could just speak to us like from a biomechanic standpoint, this is what happens when this is loaded and this is coming here, it will be sent here. And so we just started to really, she allowed us to see hitting and pitching in wildly different ways. And she was the person to be like, don't talk pitching to me, talk human movement to me. Right. Um, and, well, and, so if, and then, if this, then that concept, like, I, yeah, I think that part was really important to us. And we, we spent years just focusing on the, and like, if this, then that just the, then that part. And so it was like, yeah, well, you're doing this late in your motion. And so I think we were like, okay, like, we, why? we gotta re- yeah. rewind it. And then she had to help us realize like, okay, you know, I need to change this part, the back end part. Yeah. So what yeah. about the beginning could be leading to that? And that, yeah, you know, that's her background like- really allowed us to do it. Yeah, the kinds of like the motions, you know, human movements, a kinetic chain, like everyone's like, yeah, kinetic chain, a kinetic chain. But like, what does that mean? And like, how do you actually, what does that mean in training? Like, how do you apply that? And like, she really just helped right. us understand and deep details about that. Not just like, you know, symptoms versus roots. And then the third piece, which is where I feel like she really just like shoved us into, you know, into this chapter, which is, a, you know, in a positive way is motor learning. And I mean, I honestly think that what we do, what I'm so proud of and what our it's not just understanding, like understanding the movement of the skill, understanding human movement, which I think we do really well. You know, of course, we're ever evolving here. But I think our main strength right now in SD Breakthrough is understanding motor learning. This concept of like when we were talking about chasing drills back in whatever, what we failed to understand is that like we're not trying to make someone good at a drill. We want it to translate right. to the real deal. And so in order right. to do that, how do you get the brain to tell the body to do something differently in the actual moment and not just in the drill? And so in comes things like plyos, in comes things like overload, underload, changing in intensities. And obviously like, you know, this took months, years for us to develop like processes and protocols and seeing things that were, but basically of like, okay, now that we understand what we're trying to go for and we're understanding like, okay, when, when Susie does this, this is why she does this. But then how do I get her to actually change it? Not just in a drill. So the motor learning piece, we really like dove into this concept, like constraint, like training and basically how the brain communicates to the body. Um, Laura was a big piece of us, like really getting to understand that. And she would tell us, it's like, that's not how that works. And like, no, you wouldn't want to feed underload in that case. You'd want to feed this, or that's probably right. because that's too heavy. And you know, like that's how those protocols for us. And I say protocols, you know, they're like, they're not, stagnant they're ever changing but we have these concepts these concrete concepts obviously that we that we you know are are based upon um and so those are i think the three very specific pieces that really laura brought to the table that just shoved us into this chapter uh in, in like i said in such a positive way and then when it comes to carly you know never in my life have i met someone so just like just incredible brilliant mind for understanding human movement from a standpoint of symptoms versus roots. Like, I feel like this is a joke, of course, but I'd be like, my toe hurts. She's like, that's because your scapula is winged or whatever. You know, like, <laughs> she, like she understands human movement. And so therefore she doesn't know any, like still to this day, I joke with Carly, but when she goes to sort of the, you know, demonstrate the pitching motion, I'm like, car, switch your feet, man. You have to, your feet are in the wrong. So it's not, she doesn't know the pitching motion, but when I say she knows the pitching motion, because she understands human movement to a degree that I have never, ever, ever met in my life. And so she can apply the way the body moves and how, you know, one 
you know, sort of like root issue influences the rest of the body to strength and conditioning at its baseline, to hitting, to pitching, to overhand throwing, like to her, the skill becomes irrelevant. And she's such a gem. So when she was sort of being able to do that on the strength floor, that was pushing us. I just feel like it's really the addition of those. And as you say, these discussions back and forth, but the strengths in all of us, I'm like, I see pitching. I see it. I see it. You're like, I'm seeing hitting. And Laura's like, but let me keep you in check with all of these pieces to make sure it stays rooted and not your opinion and what's science-based and make sure like, yes, that is how motor learning would, you know, would actually play out. This makes sense based on the concept and theory of X. Like this is the discussions we're having. Meanwhile, we're like, we're stuck getting a hitter to do this or a pitcher to do this. And Carly's like, in, in strength and conditioning, I'm seeing her struggle with this, but like that is step eight. So we're on X. So you got to understand right. that. So I just think it's this, this real, like this swirling of everyone's brains and our strengths coming together in this time frame that allowed us to realize like it, it wasn't about any one of us individually. It was about this like player development system we were creating and you know how important it was for all of us to learn from each other at that time frame and to really put our strengths in there and be willing to to know that like you you're not we weren't like doing this by ourselves you know we were really collaborating a ton um yeah and we still do we still do but we just have like we were collaborating on establishing a foundation and and now we feel really solid in foundational concepts and now we're collaborating more on like you know complexities and deviations that right human movement is is you know it's not straightforward it's really really complex and so we're doing more of like case study things like that and or if we're collecting different data and we're seeing something that maybe challenges you know there's always reasons why we're growing but um you know we feel pretty good in like the foundation of the concepts that we use and why and that's where it was born it's really kind of a beautiful story yeah for sure i think it's the story of of like growth and vulnerability, which is ultimately what we ask our athletes to bring every single day. So I think as a coach, those are things that you have to bring, you know? So when we talk about being tough, you know, what it looks like to be tough. I just had this conversation with an athlete the other day of like this, this space has to feel really safe for you to actually be tough, which is I can come to my training environment or I can come wherever that is, um, when I, where I am trying to be vulnerable, which is Meaning I know I'm going to fail sometimes. This is something maybe I'm not good at yet. I have to really challenge myself. I don't understand this. So I'm asking for questions. Like I'm coming to the space vulnerable. So it has to feel really safe for them to do that. And so I think what we've realized is that if we also come to this space, I think where we thought vulnerable was before is like, no idea if that works last time this works. Like that's not what we're talking about with vulnerability, which is just like constantly like chaos is not what vulnerability is. But a willingness to say, like, I need to go ask Carly for help with this. Like, Carly and I are going to collaborate on this and come back to you because I feel like this is a piece that we need to, like, really work together or whatever that looks like. Or let me collaborate with you. How does this feel for you, you know, as the athlete? And really having that conversation where we're there to collaborate with them to be their own coach. Um, that's where I think we've seen athletes be able to come out of that changed physically, but really at a place where they can then control their own journey and know when to, you know, what to do and when to do it or when to question things and, and that type of thing, which is really powerful. And so I think that was our experience in that. Um, and we were not at a space before, I think we probably thought we were, but we were like willing to be that vulnerable in those things. And I think it's 
understanding that. I think the first chapter of that was like, this is pure chaos all the time. And look how vulnerable we are because we're just a, a total mess at all times. And we're changing drills every time. So we're willing to be wrong from one day to the next. And I think that's not really what we're talking about here, which is this, it's more of a, the vulnerability of continuing to learn, to collaborate, to collaborate with your athletes, to collaborate with other coaches, to, to really enter this space of like, I'm going to do whatever it takes to create the best environment for this athlete to have the best opportunity for growth. And so that's what that looks like. And I think that's really what we got to with an amazing team. Um, and I, I think, I hope that our athletes feel that, um, pretty regularly at this point. Yeah. So. I would say like thinking about the whole journey, we started this, you know, obviously we're still, we're still on the journey, but thinking about the whole journey thus far, I should say, we started this and, you know, I kept saying, I, I felt like the game is magic. Pitching is magic. Like we, we have to give that to our athletes. And again, what we would have said at the beginning is like toughness. When you're that tough, you can take on the world and that's the magic. And now in our current journey, our current chapter, if you will, what I would say is like, like it is magic. And every, every day at ST Breakthrough, even when there's just like a couple athletes in there, you know, like it's after school, whatever it is magic. And, but it's not through this, like toughness run through a wall because I've met plenty of athletes where they're like, they would do anything. They'll run through a wall for you, but it's a show. Like it's because that's right. what I think I'm supposed to do. And so now it's externally saying, driven. Yeah. And so right now what I realize is like the magic is not in toughness. The magic is in like knowing yourself. The magic right. is in like knowing yourself so that you can like own yourself. And when you can use the game as an opportunity to get young women to very much feel like they can identify who they are and what they are, how they learn, what their strengths are, how to advocate for themselves in respectful ways, but holding their ground. Um, and just like, being in charge of themselves, like no longer feeling like they're just marching behind someone else who's going to tell them what they should and should not do, what success does and does not look at look like. It, it's like that is where the magic really is. So that is the evolution in my mind that player development is now while it's amazing to watch pitchers like take off into things that, you know, there's like blow past any ceiling they thought they may have had the physical element of it is we love and it's so interesting to us when you take a step back and you really look at what we're doing at S2 breakthrough, what really fills us up, what really makes us feel most passionate is that this is giving young women an opportunity to really understand like how to lead their own lives, how to be in charge of themselves, give them information about themselves and then to keep feeding them information so that they never feel like they're being led astray um, and that they're and that they're always checking in with themselves. And we give them that opportunity with us. If you don't like this, you have to tell me you have to say and why and let's have a discussion and let's go at it. And so I think like there's the magic. And, and I think on yeah. any given day when you watch athletes training or if I'm having a conversation, I mean, you know, and in debris, people cry all the time because it's like that that gets open for them. Like this sense of like, there it is. There's the information. I, I was I was trying so hard. But I didn't have the information. And when you're just watching athletes like like lead themselves, I, there's something I don't know. I keep saying the word magic, but I don't know how else to put it. It's just like it's really a remarkable thing. 
I was like, yeah. we could wrap it up. We could wrap this episode up with the, the reason, the name of the podcast. And we'll probably talk about this a little bit more in depth. But the reason for, we, we use this tagline a lot. It's the name of the co- podcast. But what I would say that you just described is this concept of bet on me, which is giving female athletes, giving female supple players autonomy over their own journey where they feel like I, I'm willing to bet on myself and I'm going to take this in my own hands. And that process is really important. And definitely a topic for another podcast, probably a lot of other podcasts that we'll talk about branches of this, but it feels like too often. And we did this, you know, we, we were, uh, at fault for this at the beginning, but autonomy is stripped from the athletes in their journey. And I, I think that it's really important that we, uh, give it back to them. And it's why the bet on me concept came about. Um, and so I think that is a sort of beautiful way to describe that. And we will definitely talk about that much more in depth. So we're going to wrap it up here. Um, but, uh, more to come about this topic for sure. I'm sure Ashley will be back on many times and we will be talking about versions of this. Um, but we will see you guys next episode. Well, S2 Nation, thanks for joining another episode of the Bet On Me podcast. Go out today, bet on yourself. And remember, when you bet on yourself, you can't lose.